Welcome to episode 7 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast discussing movies, books, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracle. And we are really happy to be here on, on a day, on a week that feels like spring is in the air. It is literally 40 times warmer today than it was the same time last week, and that is both depressing and awesome at the same time. I'm going to go with awesome. It feels really good, and it's probably not going to last, so we're going to be in true Buffalo fashion. I'm going to run around in a t-shirt with my car windows down. I already got my uh, cargo shorts ready to go. (laughs) There you go. This Buffalo boy born and bred. (laughs) Okay, so um, today we decided we were going to talk about a movie that I loved so much, and I was not pestering you to go see because you wanted to see it, but I was laying the heat on. This wasn't a three billboard situation. You you (laughs) never twist my arm a little bit on this one. So The Shape of Water by Guillermo del Toro. Wow, right? Oh, it was a wonderful movie. Wonderful. So for anyone who doesn't know what it's about or has seen the trailer and thinks they don't want to see it, it is part fairy tale and part monster movie. Um, It is about Eliza, who is played by Sally Hawkins, who is a mute, isolated woman who works as a cleaning lady in a hidden high-security government laboratory in 1962 Baltimore. And her life changes forever when she discovers the lab's classified secret, which is a mysterious, scaled friend, um, a creature from South America that lives in a water tank. One one might almost say a black lagoon. Yes, we'll talk about that pretty much, a black lagoon. And as Eliza develops a unique bond with him, she soon learns... um, His fate and very survival lies in the hands of a hostile government agent played by the always wonderful Michael Shannon. That guy is intense, man. Intense man. And a marine biologist who is played by Michael Stilberg. And it has Octavia Spencer as a fellow cleaning lady and Richard Jenkins as Eliza's neighbor. So let's play a clip. If I told you about her, the princess without voice... What would I say? She deaf? Mute, sir. She can hear you. You clean that lab, you get out. This may very well be the most sensitive asset ever to be housed in this facility. You may think that thing looks human. Stands on two legs, right? But we're created in the Lord's image. You don't think that's what the Lord looks like, do you? This creature is intelligent, capable of language, of understanding emotions. When he looks at me, he doesn't know how I am incomplete. He sees me as I am. Yeah, so we left a lot of the score um, in that trailer clip because A, it's so beautiful, and B, I think it's a really important part of the movie. Oh, it's a huge part. Um, Like we were talking before, um, sound can make a real important part of any kind of movie, and this movie has an excellent score. Yeah. It won, it's already won a couple of awards. I'm sure it's got a couple more on the way. Um, It's written by Alexander Desplat, one of the more famous composers out there in Hollywood at the moment. Yeah, it it really fit with the 
the movie itself, so altogether, I think we both feel it is a wonderful movie. Um, yeah, this one we're in agreement on. This was a fabulous movie. It was visually stunning, and it had really astounding performances. The colors, this the use of colors uh, that Del Toro like right did from the, the get go. Yeah, it's like everything is like very bright, but not pastel looking. So it helps get you into the tone of like the like you said the fairy tale kind of feel of the whole movie. And as weird as it is, but I feel like the score helps accent the colors. Yeah, it for sure. It makes you, it like kind of, it just sucks you in more because you definitely get that whole relaxing and then you start to get into the movie and the more outlandish stuff, you start letting go a little bit more. Do you, so I can't think of the name. What is that, that famous painting of the, the Japanese ocean wave? Do you know what I'm talking about? I do, but I don't know what it's called. Okay, so what they actually did to kind of set the tone, which is amazing, is in the main character, Eliza, the girl who's mute, in her apartment, the one wall, they actually painted that painting over it and then just completely, like, smudged it out with other paint just to put the feel of sort of water and the cool color in that room. Well, it was very effective because it definitely got that feeling. I mean, even the opening scene of this movie with Mm -hmm. the... I don't even want to like ruin it for everybody, but it just sucks you in to the whole movie to begin with. It's definitely Guillermo del Toro doing what he does best, which I think is using his own restless imagination to create a movie that seems less made um, than discovered. It's a very good comparison, actually. Well, thank, you. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, del Toro has a very distinctive visual style he's one of those directors where you n- kind of have an idea what a movie might look like you know he does l- likes doing a lot of fantastical creatures yeah um he has a lot of you know that kind of stuff in there but for this movie it definitely works in its favor um the creature design for the uh i don't even know what to call him really just the the sea creature yeah i mean he he looks amazing and like you said it's definitely an homage to creature from the black lagoon i mean that is the basis of the whole film Little fun fact here, um, on a little tangent here. Um, when he originally pitched this idea, he was going to Universal to try to get them to allow him to do a uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon remake. Okay. Um, as part of that Universal Dark Universe, you know, that Tom Cruise the Mummy was part of it as well. Yeah. They tried to hire Del Toro to run the whole thing, um, but then when he gave him them his take on Creature from the Black Lagoon, they told him they didn't like it. They thought it was kind of weird and out there, so they didn't hire him for the job, so he didn't do the Dark Universe thing to begin with. That movie is what turned into Shape of Water now, and Universal's Dark Universe is dead at the moment. Yeah, so the mummy was, he, was supposed to be really terrible. Yeah, and it's that's not going anywhere. So basically, Universal has this stain of, you turned down something that's probably going to be up for Best Picture this year. Because you said it was a little too weird and that Tom Cruise might not like it. So I'm not sure. Well, I I mean, I could kind of understand it, but it really takes an amazing director to make falling in love with a sea creature seem so uncreepy and pure and right. You never even you never even think of it. Like when you're watching the movie that you're like, this is supposed to be really weird, but no. I just kind of, I get it. It feels really natural. I think it's also because Sally Hawkins, the main character, um, she's playing someone who feels really incomplete and unfulfilled, which I think is also a trait of every character in the movie. And that when she meets the creature, it fills her void because he doesn't see her as incomplete for being mute, which is kind of how her whole life has been. Yeah. Um... The creature played wonderfully by Doug Jones. Um, mm-hmm. 
for people that don't pay too much attention, basically what Andy Serkis is to motion capture is what Doug Jones is to, like, guy in a suit kind of working. Um, he's really famous for being able to emote, like, physically with his body. He's done a bunch of stuff. Most recently he was in, like, Falling Skies on TNT. He had a major role as one of the aliens on there. Yeah, he's new. he's a new person to me. I had I did not know him from anything oh. until I read his name in this. Yeah, if you go back, um, any time there's been, like, a good performance, um, he was, like, also in Lat Del Toro's um, Hellboy 1 and 2. He played the... Um, Abe Sapien, he was the fish guy in that one as well. So okay. he has a long history. So he's, just, he's really known for being fish guy. He, all he over. was. I also believe he was the guy with the the eyes in Pan's Labyrinth too. So pretty oh, much. Oh, was he? Pretty much any time you get any kind of physicality, weird physicality, it's usually Doug Jones in a movie. But okay. the the way those two were able to just play off each other, you definitely got like because it's almost like a silent movie between the two because he obviously doesn't talk and she yeah. doesn't. So and she's trying to kind of teach him her language. Well. We don't want to get sucked into it too because there's so many awesome performances. In there really this movie. are. So her best friend is Zelda, played by Octavia Spencer, who's an African American woman who works with her. And then Giles, played by Richard Jenkins, is the gay man who lives next door. And I think the understated, intuitive sympathy among the outcasts, um, you know, makes it not only a beautiful fable but gives it political bite as well. Yeah, because um, like you said, we got and this is in the 1960s, uh, height of like the Cold War and the Civil Rights Movement, and then the two side main side characters of the movie is a gay man and a black woman. Like, yeah, coming along, both performances are just wonderful in different ways as well. And especially Michael Shannon, who is you know the villain, who's almost always the villain. My- he Michael. plays it so well. I mean, I don't want to say it's Michael Shannon doing Michael Shannon in this movie, but it's. Sort I don't of think his. we know who Michael Shannon is, and I think that is what makes a really good actor is that he doesn't talk a lot about his personal life so when you don't know anything about him he can be a really blank slate in his movies i have seen him in movies where you know i'm cheering for him and then movies where i'm like oh you you crazy oh man like yeah he played general zod in this um man of steel movie he was Mm -hmm. um in boardwalk empire he was one of the highlights of that that HBO show. My favorite thing that he's been in is a movie that everyone should get from the library. It's called Take Shelter. And it's it's really hard to explain, but it's about this man who is kind of seeing this storm or apocalypse coming his way. So he's trying to build a shelter, but he is the only person who sees it. So pretty much he's just kind of losing his mind. But that's really, really well done. And then he was awesome in Nocturnal Animals, which I know you saw. Well, yes, I did. One of his two Oscar nominations he got, along so with Revolutionary Award. Oh, yeah, the guy is one of the best actors out there. Like, I hate to put him in the villain category, but at the moment, he's like the top, like one of the top villain actors yeah, out I'm, there Yeah, well, I Hollywood. mean, when you carry an, an animal prod and you're a misogynistic <laughs> character, you know, you're a villain. That's well. just the way that it works out. But even for all of the bigotry and meanness that was in the movie, there was just kindness and beauty. And, you know, we did our top list for the year, um, and I hadn't seen this yet, but after I did, this definitely got pushed up to my number one film of the year. I loved every second of it. Oh, it definitely moved its way into my top movies of the year as well after I saw it. Yeah. And I don't remember what to knock out of there, but it definitely, this one moved itself right up into the That's top That's always five. the tough spot is kicking something out. But um, Sally Hawkins, who played the main character, I had seen her in a few things, so the first thing I saw her in was called Happy Go Lucky, which I think was a movie that kind of did well in indie circles. I personally did not like. It was, she was too happy-go-lucky for me. A little too much? I had never seen it. Never saw that one. But she's had smaller performances, like she was in Blue Jasmine and the movie In Education. Have you seen those? I have seen those ones, yeah. 
She's, she's so her roles are they're kind of small, but I feel like you know she brings importance to each role. So it'll be, I can be excited again about like seeing her name coming up in trailers after this performance. And uh, yeah, I think you're going to be seeing her a lot more after this one too, because this is definitely the kind of performance that is a a star making one. It's a star turn for sure. Yeah, like maybe she won't always be a background character. Oh, but speaking so background actors. Let's talk about uh, Michael Stolberg. Is that how you say his name? Stolberg, Stolberg, something like that. So I feel like every time I turn on a movie, I see a small role and I'm like, oh, it's that guy. Oh, it's that guy. He is the new that guy in Hollywood because he is just popping up in everything and he knocks it out of the park every single time. I really loved him in Arrival. He was great this season in Fargo. Okay. Um, he popped up in that movie Trumbo. Did you see that? I wanted to, but I, I did not see Trumbo. I saw it on an airplane. Trumbo. It's okay. It's a good airplane movie. He's another uh, another Boardwalk Empire character there. He was Arnold Rothstein in that okay. show. Oh, and then he had the leading role in that, was that a Coen Brothers film, that A Serious Man? Yes, yes, he had this. Yeah. I also didn't, I didn't really like that movie. Well, that's one of the lesser Coen ones. They've been a little hit and miss in the last couple of years, unfortunately. Well, I think everyone has that. Like, you know, Del Toro has been hit or miss. I mean, he had... Pacific Rim and Crimson Peak. I did not watch either of those, and I'm pleased with myself that I, I did. I didn't watch um, Crimson Peak. I did watch Pacific Rim, and when the robots weren't fighting the monsters, there's a bad movie right there. Yes, that's it's another callback with Charlie Hunnam just, doing stuff. And just hit the monsters more. That's, that's basically what that's what the second movie is. There's a new one coming out, and that's oh. all it is, is just monsters is it him? getting punched. Is no, it they fired okay, him. So. And got a new guy. But, you know, for every miss, there's a Pan's Labyrinth and a Devil's Backbone and now a Shape of Water where you're like, this person, yeah, they know what they're doing. If you're going to fail up, that's exactly what he has done if you want to look at it in that regard. Like, this yeah. movie is definitely one to keep an eye on for Academy Awards season. Yeah, I mean, so the Golden Globes um, happened last week and he won Best Director you that's know, a for that's a great sign for him, by the way. It like, is a great sign. It didn't win um, the best picture in its category. Um, that but used still. that used to be a big issue with the Academy Awards. Like usually, if your movie didn't win best picture, you weren't going to win best director. That's not really a thing anymore. They have like all, you know the logarithms of yeah. Well, if this happens and you win this award, but you miss this one, and you're like, I don't know that I believe in any of that. There's always upsets. There's you know something some years everyone wins that you think will sometimes they don't sometimes people say that they win and then they have to take it away <laughs> yeah, on the stage that doesn't happen yet but actually now that we're kind of talking about the golden globes we should rehash some of that yeah that was just uh this past sunday um as we record is when the um golden globes happen a couple yeah, so it's old news for people listening it's old news but you know fresh for us yeah it's new to us we're gonna we're gonna go over a couple of those because like i did not agree with all of the winners big surprise here but did you agree so guillermo del toro shape of water best director winner loved the movie but I don't know. I really, I think that if I had to vote, I might have gone with Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk. It was a tough one. Yeah. Because Dunkirk, like that was the one that I had for best motion picture drama over mm-hmm. three billboards was um, Dunkirk. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like that's a tough, that's a tough kind of get between those two. It's going to be a, um, a dogfight between those two, I think. I kind of lean towards Del Toro just because it was a little bit more... It's like a, not a war movie. Like the um, the Christopher Nolan movie, I think, is a better edited movie. But I don't know necessarily if, in terms of like narrative, it's going to go the same way. I mean, I think like kind of the problem with Shape of Water is the movie can be a tad predictable in its plotting as well. That's kind of the same thing with Dunkirk. So I don't know. And 
I mean, they're both. It's funny because they're both really visually stunning. Yes. Their scores are both very important, and they're not as dialogue driven as a lot of Best Picture winners. So they have a lot of similarities that way. But saying that, that you know, those are the things they have in common. In the movie that won Best Picture Drama at the Golden Globes was the three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which is total opposite of them, like very, very heavy on the dialogue, um, sometimes over-the-top performances. So maybe that's more what what viewers like. I maybe. don't know. Like the, the Best Picture Drama category, that was a, like a weird one. They had like a bunch of different um, ones in there. The Post, Shape of Water, Three Billboards, Dunkirk, and Call... Call me by your name. Which I thought was going to win something. Didn't win anything. Well, you keep hearing about it, but it's so frustrating because I'm like, where are you? When can I see you? When can I know if you should be winning things or not? So as we covered, as we go into this um, best picture category here, we went over three billboards a couple weeks ago. And when I saw all the awards this movie won that were not acting wise, I was shocked. This one, not only best picture, which I'm like, uh, okay. But then it also won Best Screenplay, and I was like, uh, what? I kind of thought Lady Bird would get yeah, I was Best Screenplay like, for sure. Best Screenplay? Like, the guy had 50 different screenplays going at once. He didn't finish any of them. Like, yeah, how but do you... it, it still was an amazing story coming from so many different angles. He wrote so many characters pretty thoroughly. He, he wrote so many characters. I don't know <laughs> if he wrote them thoroughly, but he wrote so many. I'm not going to start going down the movie because it, it's got... Okay, what about Sam Rockwell won Best Supporting Actor? He was great in that movie. Yeah, you know, I I gave you um, in our our pre-show talk, I was kind of like about to argue with you about Richard Jenkins and stuff. But, you know, I thought about it for a second. I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Sam Rockwell, easily best performance. It was a stronger performance. Although there's been some pushback because his character is racist in Three Billboards. Um, I don't want to hear that. That's irrelevant. Well, I'm not sure exactly what the pushback is that they haven't addressed it or that what's there to address it's part of the character it real and it seemed very realistic like in the town that they're in there it wouldn't you know he wouldn't be judged on that no it's not like he's like uh living in some liberal haven here it's in missouri you know yeah i guess it was true to to where it was which which is a bummer which we can all agree you know you don't like seeing it and but you don't necessarily want him to be a hero, but I don't think that that's how he's portrayed. He's ac- just a mess. I actually didn't know that there was pushback on that. I'm kind of kind of surprised by that. Yeah, I, a little some time. Okay, but Frances McDormand also winning Best Actress for Three Billboards earned. Yes, yes, I would agree with that. The best picture, best actress category is going to be a minefield this year. There are so many excellent performances. See, I feel like it's her and. That's it. So I haven't seen Molly's Game, but Sally Hawkins in Shape of Water is really lovely, but she's not better than Frances McDormand. I would agree with that. I did get to see The Post, and Meryl Streep is so underutilized in that movie. It's a crime because every time she's on, she shines, but I don't, you know, this is not going to be like a Judy Dench. You win an Oscar because you're in the movie for seven minutes. I'm not into that. I don't know, man. It's Meryl Streep. You can never count her out. It is Meryl Streep, but we don't, Don't. she's fine. (laughs) She doesn't need us telling her she's great see Frances mcdormand is not that's not who i would be worried about in that category because i think um who are another winner for best actress in a musical comedy saoirse ronan yes i think that's the main i always forget comparison. that they separated at the golden globes and that yeah. there's five more so who else was in that category in best uh comedy 
Yeah. Uh, Helen Mirren, Mar- Margot Robbie, Judy Dench, and Emma Stone. So there's a like at least ten I good feel like performances out there. It's only Sersha is the only contender in that one. Which is those are so different performances. Like you've seen them both. Like yeah. are they anywhere near each other? Like how would you compare the two of them? I mean, I preferred Lady Bird as a film. I will watch Lady Bird more times in my life. Three billboards. I don't know. Maybe I will. Never, like, I'm never gonna watch that movie. Well, see, I I might. Um, but so it's a really hard call. Like, yes, I preferred the one movie, but I think Frances McDormand's performance is just better. From everything I've she, heard, she like, come on, she like made you watch her. You couldn't look anywhere else when she was talking in that movie. I I'm never gonna argue a Frances McDormand performance because she's fabulous. Like, uh, remember that burn after reading? She was like one of the highlights of that. She's a highlight yeah. in everything that she's in. She's she's definitely one of the best of of our times. Whenever I go to some old diner and I always get really frustrated when they're painted with like Marilyn Monroe and James Dean and stuff. And I'm like, it's over. Paint Francis McDormand and like Philip Seymour Hoffman all over everything. Like honor the people who are really changing film today. Well, what if they told my tirade? What if they told you it wasn't James Dean? It was just James Franco. (laughs) Okay, so James Franco, who. Was, it, was James Dean, of course. I Yes, he was James Dean, and I have mixed feelings about him. Like, we've talked about him, that he can really have some stellar performances, and other times it's just when he's doing these weirdo comedies. But you know I was so happy when he won Best Actor in a Comedy for I, The Disaster Artist. I did chuckle a little bit when he won. I was like, oh, I know Michelle Pop for that one. And then to have Tommy come on stage, and I'm really annoyed that people are giving him pushback like oh he won and he didn't let Tommy so talk on stage number one he, he didn't have to do any of that people portray real people in films all the time they don't invite them to awards shows no. they never invite them on stage like and if you know Tommy so if you have followed <laughs> any part of the room don't. in his life he would have talked nonsense for way too long you can see the director behind the camera like don't let that guy yeah, on the mic. We're going to immediately play it. the movie. So, And it was funny. Like He laughed. James Franco laughed. Like I believe they are friends in real life. It was fine. And James Franco said really beautiful things about you know, his brother. And with that being said, yeah. now now Jimmy, he's got making him. it difficult for us. He made him, got himself in a little bit of trouble at the after party, allegedly. Yeah, and there's been other allegations about him. So I don't know. I wish I could say that out of hand I would be like, no, I don't believe it. But I kind of would buy it from James Franco. I've seen... I buy it from most people. Yeah. Except Tom Hanks. That's the only one I'd be like, he did nothing wrong. Hugh Jackman, too. I'd be like, no. That's true. I feel that about Hugh. Yeah, I'm like, if you could, if they came out to me and they somebody said that, I'd be like, I don't believe you. I would yeah. just straight up tell them, like, no, you're <laughs> making that up. I really enjoyed in um, Seth, Seth Meyers' opening for the Golden Globes where he was talking about, you know... How every time you hear a man's name in Hollywood, you're like, what's it going to be? And it's so terrible. When he, he was like, oh, you're like, did you hear about William Defoe?" And you're like, no. He's like, no, he gave a really strong performance this year. And you're like, you can't do that because we just assume that everyone has done something terrible. How about uh, Natalie Portman throwing some fire out on the stage for Best Director when she's like, now up for Best Male Director? Yeah, I was like, was all the all-male nominees. Well, she's right. And I was reading a whole thing, too, about you know just how many more men directors there are. But in the last like five to ten years, the w- films that directed by women that are bringing in so much money, like they're doing so well comparatively to what it costs to make them that it's proving that these women films 
um, not even women films, just women directed films are doing so well. Um, and yet, it's just that when you know studios have a film and there's two people to choose from, they keep leaning towards the men. Which is weird because this is the first year in um, in history where the three top grossing movies of the year are all female driven movies. Uh, Last Jedi, <laughs> yeah. Beauty and the Beast, and um, oh man, I'm, I'm flaking. Well, Lady oh, Wonder Woman and was the Wonder other one. Woman. So those are the three top grossing movies of the year, all starring women. One of them directed by women as well. So I mean, come on. Come on. I know. It's, you would it's think. It's our time. Whereas everyone's pin said time's up, which are, you know, I know people get like celebrities aren't allowed to have opinions, but I think that is ridiculous. I'm constantly talking about my feelings and things that I support and don't support. And if I had a stage, you better believe I would just talk about it more. So yeah. I, I'm sick of people being like, oh, celebrities can't have opinions on things. It's like, well, stop, you know, watching terrible yeah, don't watch. You don't TV have to watch shows. it. Nobody's don't watch it. reality TV with them. Like that's fine, but I don't mind hearing someone else's opinion. It doesn't yeah. sway me. No, it it's somebody else's opinion. If you don't like it, just ignore I'm it. I'm locked Nobody, into no, my own. Nobody's making you change opinions because somebody else has to say it. If you don't like listening to it, well, maybe yeah. open your mind a little bit. You know, but do you do some good. But so all in all, I mean, kind of predictable show. I mean, yeah, we, we Lady didn't Bird even won Muse Best uh, Comedy or Musical. She won. Sir Sharonin won Best Actress. Um, Gary Oldman won Best Actor. Which I can't wait to see it. Looks great. Yeah, he's where is it? Yeah, it's it's up at that Amherst Theater. Is it up now? Yeah. Okay. But it's one of those like uh, everybody's like he's going to win Best Actor and nobody's seen the movie yet. Yeah, and the movie wasn't really mentioned in any other category, so that makes me think that it's going to be one of those films that isn't great, but has a stellar lead performance. Yeah, kind of like every Daniel Day-Lewis movie. Like, he's got Phantom Thread um, coming out this year. There Will Be Blood is amazing from start to finish. That is not just True. him. I it's love that It's not just movie. him, but it's 80% him. If you don't have him in that movie, you don't have a movie. That might be true. Oh, he's such a powerhouse. That If I had a milkshake. Because apparently his last movie was uh, this one, yeah, allegedly. I, I don't buy it. But. I can't believe that. That's heartbreaking. Yeah, I, I mean, the trailer for that movie does not look good at all to me. But I because it's Daniel Day-Lewis, I will obviously go see it. I hear it's not a great movie, but it's another awesome performance. So it's another one of those. It's kind of, you know, if you like Daniel Day-Lewis, go check it out. But Why would he stop? He's so good. The guy's a cobbler in real life, man. So who knows what he does, what he does. It's a job. He makes shoes. That's what he does. Perfect mystical creature that he is. Did you, um, I know you're a big TV guy. So how did you feel about some of the TV winners? Um, Well, in the TV ones, like Handmaid's Tale won pretty much everything. I didn't watch that yet for some reason. I'm a little behind on my Hulu shows. You ever read that book? Uh, Handmaid's Tale, no. I didn't know what it was. Like, I I swear, when it first came out, I thought it was like some kitty little nothing book when you look at the cover so i never oh, read it no. and then this comes out and you're like whoa margaret that is atwood is my all-time favorite female author she is brilliant in everything she writes she's also wonderful if you hear her speaking she's coming to ub in a couple months i highly recommend getting tickets and going to see it but really we have everything that she has created um down at the library to check out except handmaid's tale because except, they haven't released out. it yeah, in the, dvd yeah. yet 
Um, another one's A Big Little Lies, another book that we have available. All this stuff, by the way, will be available at your local library. Yeah, so. Big Little Lies, the, the television series, is available now. So you can check that out, see what all the I hubbub was. I loved that show. That was great all around. The performances, Nicole Kimmon easily yeah. deserved the best actress. Um, yeah. So I have no argument with that one. Uh, no, the Marvelous, good. Miss Maisel. This one I was telling you about, I love that show so I much. I watched one episode last night because I'm like, I don't know what this is. And that one ap- episode made mm-hmm. me so happy. Oh, it is. <laughs> is just the greatest like I didn't know what I thought it was going to be but I was like wow this is not what I thought this show was and I'm so happy yeah. about what it is I'm really pumped to continue so I don't even really know how to describe it, it looks like it's so, a woman where are we early 60s in that yeah, movie yeah I would say early 60s early 60s New York City um Jewish housewife and I'll say it looks like she's uh she's breaking free yeah, going in the from what she's known the stand-up comedy route. It seems this is a show I heard nothing about. It showed up on the my Fire Stick, and I was like, "Well, I guess I'll give it a shot, see if it's any good." After the first episode, I'm like, "I am in on this one." Yeah, so it was surprising though that she won. She won Best Actress. Yeah, Best Actress and Best and Comedy. I was, and I was like, "Who are you?" Yeah, like, well, the show's gonna be watching now, so you already got a two-season run. So and then I was really happy that Best Actor was my little Aziz Ansari for Master of None. Um, because he did a fantastic job this season, and I feel like that show is a little underrated, maybe under people's radar, you know, they're just kind of missing it, but mm-hmm. I, I definitely recommend checking it out. That's one of those ones I watched an episode and um, checked out. I don't really care for Aziz and Zari, so I was just kind of like, eh, it's going to be his show. It's not bad, it's just not my cup of tea. Are you, does it feel weird for you, or are you uncomfortable when you're just really wrong in your feelings? <laughs> I am always right in my feelings. See, this is an example where I'm going to listen to somebody's opinion, and I'm going to respectfully disagree with everything (laughs) they just said. And decline. Okay, so as we're wrapping up here, I just want to let people know, in case they don't, that the Downtown Library has a book club. It's called Literally Speaking, and it meets every third Tuesday of the month to discuss really good books. So the one that's happening tomorrow on the 16th is The Humans by Matt Haig. If you haven't read it, you're probably not going to be able to join that one. So I just wanted to give people a heads up for next month on February 20th. We're doing Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi Coates. And that is a fantastic and profound piece of literature that kind of examines how Americans have built the empire on the idea of race and the falsehoods and damages that really fall um, on the bodies of black men and women Honestly, I feel like it's life-changing. It opened my eyes to things that I wasn't seeing, so we would love for you to come down. It's 1210 to 1 o'clock. Come, bring a sandwich, and talk about this book with us. Don't forget to stop by the World War I exhibit currently going on at the Central Library up on the second floor. Yeah, if you haven't seen that, that is definitely worth worth seeking out. And okay, we did it. Yay, we made it. So done. So thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next week. Yeah. Adios, everybody. (laughs) We got to go real quick. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. Don't you cut me off here. This one. Oh, man. Are you ready? I I guess. What do you call a teacher who never farts in the library? What do you call a teacher that never farts in the library? (laughs) Oh, man. A private tutor. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You kind of got that one was pretty good right there. All right, guys. Take it easy. Bye-bye.